0: Welcome everyone you are listening to and perhaps watching Calling the Audible. I'm your host, Eze Delores. I am joined by my producer, Eagle at Master Control. Uh, as we continue to test things moving forward, hopefully next week we'll be able to get Eagle on camera as well. Uh, for now, it's a big space, sp- place for me to work in and a very cramped part of the studio for Eagle um uh, but i get all the space to share a week's worth of fbf with you. your ego is so big and that's that's it though that's why i'm on this show by myself it's incredibly awkward by the way uh but that's why for those of you watching on facebook live uh please do feel free to participate in the show um we it helps me it helps us do have a more interesting show uh also if you haven't watched on facebook live remember Know, if you listen to the podcast and, and the next week rolls around, uh, you say, hey, you know what? I remember now the show's on Thursday between 7, 8 o'clock. That's when the guys start. I get a notification on Facebook. Let me go check it out. Let me go see uh, what's going on in the show. And that week you can participate. It'd be awesome. Um, I got news, actually, Eagle, uh, about voodoo after talking about <gasps> whether or not Kevin Marshall will be on the team. Kevin Marshall's not on the team this fall.
1: Do we need, like, breaking news or something? Yes. I actually don't have that clip, but All that's right.
0: okay. Hum it for me.
1: Uh, wait, well, I can use this.
0: Okay. Where is the sound
1: from? This is a reusing asset. Uh-huh.
0: Ah, please. <laughs> so the breaking news is Kevin Marshall not with uh, Voodoo this season. Hey, where is that sound from? I, I really re- I I'm
1: pretty on. sure I got it off the internet.
0: Yeah, uh, but what uh, what other show is it uh, commonly appearing on?
1: It's uh, it's not coming to me. I feel like it would be something like with spicy takes. Yes, um, something a little bit like liquidy, but this is a the little worst
0: uh, promo uh, you've ever done. You're awful <laughs> at this. This is uh, this perhaps it's better that you're not on camera. Uh, for those FPFers who want uh, some FPFers takes on uh, sports and the like, feel free to tune into Hot Sauce Sports. Um, we are uh, in somewhat of a partnership with FPF, so a lot of the, the former, the, the faces you recognize, uh, our website of course is hotsaucesports.ca, and our, our uh, weekly podcast called Hotsaw Sports as well, it's on Spotify, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, as well as wherever you else you get your podcasts, we do it on Facebook Live as well. This week we interviewed boxing legend Otis Grant, uh, awesome week this week. Uh, so i 'm a little tired because we t- we've been doing a lot man it 's been it 's been an endurance run.
1: you got so tired we actually recorded some stuff that we can use instead of you talking
0: sorry you've been listening to hot sauce that's sports yeah, that's I good. can
1: say words on
0: your behalf that's true we can let 's just pre record everything for next week and then and then i 'll just use that um so I mean for those who know me know that i 'm not driving myself here um I don't like to I, I need to be driven. It's it, I'm I don't like to do things for myself. It's you know this eagle, you've had to deal with me forever. Um so my driver dropped me off to the show and I'm expecting uh to be picked up after the show, although I have a feeling I will be waiting. Um, I'm disappointed by that. Because we happen to do the show when there's Thursday night football. We're trying to get it as early as possible to you guys so that way it doesn't interfere with Thursday night football. Although Announcers don't say shit, so you're better off just watching the game on mute and listening to this show if you want to watch it later. So I do think that is the best way to go. That is the best way to go. Um, Eagle, I was at the field on Monday. Mm-hmm. I got to see uh, Joey Taylor getting his revenge on the Urjan Smizik guys, the guys who beat him, uh, who knocked him out in the springtime.
1: And we did talk about this where Urjan Smizik is not the exact same Correct. team. But it's basically the same core.
0: Well, but they, they, they had a one point victory against uh, against Dead Press last week. This week they go in and face Joey Taylor. Now, caveat, um, there was only uh, six players in this game, as we talked about. Total, that.
1: like three on three.
0: S- no, six players for Urzhant Semtsev.
1: Because that would be awesome. Yeah, also illegal.
0: <laughs> also illegal. Uh, we wouldn't have a score for that one. It would just be a double forfeit. Um, but. We've never had to deal with that eh uh
1: Thank a God. double forfeit I don't think so
0: um so anyway uh looking at th- looking at this game i w- I was there for at one point they were down a player so two and a half Dans were against six and like you people can say whatever they like about Joey Taylor um there's no five guys in the world it's just the way his offense works Like you, you there's no i mean Five guys against any competent quarterback is immeasurably difficult, but when the when the, th- the 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 system is specifically to flood zones, I mean, you have to guess every single time correctly. And knowing that you can't do that, he's just not going to take any chances and either check it down or dump or, or, or dump into the ground.
1: Do you think two HD is one of the best built teams given the cap imposed on Tier One?
0: Um. So. This, is, this makes an interesting case for what we've been talking about for a long time, that for Division One, if you want the division to be competitive, if you want teams uh, to, to feel as though they compete, you need to A, have a hard cap, which we now have in Tier 1, and B, you need to go and get lower-rated talent. And yeah, Danny Damore, absolute stud, everyone knows that he's also you know probably the highest cap hit on this team but like guys like brandon Elward are showing they can compete dominic benevento in the past it was like oh but these guys aren't big and physical enough but it's still flag football at the end of the day and these guys have such a familiarity with joey taylor that um you know this is a a kind of team that typically would give uh joey taylor trouble the guys who are big and physical now again Missing from here, Julien Balamant, the guy we praised last week. Um, missing from the roster uh, in general is... Uh, is. Uh well, Alexis Godet, who's not on this roster. Yeah, uh, fair. And, uh, as well as... Uh Julien Pema. You're thinking, you're, serious, you're thinking Alexis Gaumont.
1: Alexis Gaumont, yeah, sorry. He's on the
0: roster. I don't know if he's but back from... But he hasn't played in two weeks? I don't know if he's back from his injury yet. Ah, okay. Uh, Mike Piersin, who played with them in, in, in winter... Uh, sorry, in, in, in spring... Julien Payman play with him in, in spring, if I'm not mistaken. So there's key pieces that make it a different team. Now, Julien Payman has played one game this season. Julien Bellevance hasn't played this season. Uh, Alexis Gaumont hasn't played this season. So it's definitely different when you have a guy like Nicolas Gropini, who, as talented as he is, th- he's going up against guys who now have been playing higher-tier football for quite some time. And he's still a, he's still a new, fresh face.
1: I'm just—I'm not used to seeing Jesse Dupree do so—not terribly, but just not well, right? When was the last time he only put up three TDs in a game?
0: Um, yeah. So it's been a while, and and well, it was last week.
1: True. Yeah.
0: Well, but it's been like when was the last time he strung two games together? I think is more the question because I mean, yeah, and and if anything, with Ur- with Erjon or, or more so, more so, um, Tats have shown in the past is. That they can win in suboptimal conditions, and that's what it. That's what happens when you have a great quarterback like Jesse Dupree. That is the knock against Joey Taylor. That if if things don't aren't set up for him in a specific way, um, the game won't go his way. But again, it's two weeks in a row, three touchdowns for Jesse Dupree. It's um, he's struggling, and it doesn't look pretty. Doesn't look as sharp, and you can see he's missing some of his familiar faces, and having. I think having Mike Piersaint allowed us to really see what Jesse system can be when you have someone just as imposing and dominant as him on on the field. Um, that said, there's there's a lot of guys that, that know the Afetis guys, the Arizona Physique guys, uh, lower division guys. Uh, a lot of their guys also played previously with uh, a team called Ravens, and then part of those guys went to play with Trinity – and all within that group, there were some university-level players. There were some other players who are not university-level but have h- upper-division experience. So, kind of curious to see, you know, not again, nothing against, let's say, Nicholas Corpini, but you know, also that's only six guys. Even though y- you, you brought up a guy who's, you know, he played with Simon Says uh, a lot, mo- mainly as a rusher this past uh, this past spring, but more more than that, with the with the we we're missing his depth. You, you come into the game with only six guys both ways and you're missing key key personnel on your team and size and speed which is the what this team has been for so long that's not there and that's the thing you need to contend against two and a half dance and literally it just looked like um if you want if you're on the side that we are eagle, that, that joey taylor is talented joey taylor has the ability to to uh, uh win in this league then this is what the recipe is he literally just sat back and ran his system and it was it was honestly, it was fun to watch from, from an FPF fan perspective and interesting because, again, th- this is a team that you you would think uh, would totally dominate the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that definitely, definitely uh, was an interesting game to watch. Um, I want to jump to Tier 2 for a second as I want to talk about one of the trends I seem to have noticed this past week was, t- uh, oh, sorry, Tier 3. Tier 3 is interesting because you have teams that have moved down, in my opinion, to Tier 3. So when I see a guy like if I look back to three years ago and I say Lockdown's playing in the lowest tier in Fall Cup, and I say John as Fra- uh, I say Pat Riot is, is quarterback and throwing in the lowest tier. And is Owen two. I'm sure that would surprise you. Even though like let's 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 take you off the team and just put your media hat on, I think that would surprise you, am I right? Yes. With the the trajectory of the team, it was a team that looked like it was on the rise, John Franco Ronaldo was coming off. Uh, at one point was he an all-star or borderline all-star? Like he, he was borderline all-star. Like he just yeah. he just missed the cut, right? That is correct. Yeah. He lost Alex Holloway, who we're going to have on the show later. Hel- Alex Holloway was uh, selected over him, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I was there to watch Trailer Park Boys uh, beat you guys 39 to 13, and it's this is another case where I can't imagine we have a an experienced, highly rated, uh, highly decorated quarterback in the lower divisions in in Pat Riott, going up against uh, a new team who's steadily improving, by the way. What, what we're seeing here compared to when we first saw them last fall cup is night and day in Trailer Park Boys. But it, it's still it's still shocking. Not shocking was seeing you get completely blown away on a hook and go.
1: Uh, so there's actually a story behind that. Um, first play of the game, I dropped a pick six, mm-hmm. undercutting a hook. And then I saw the exact same play, or at least I thought, later on in the game when I had one-on-one on the outside, undercut the hook, and it was a go. So mm-hmm. that was just completely – I mean, they baited me, and I took it. So I I will eat the punishment of six points on the board for it. But, yep, yeah, I just – it happens. It happens. You have to be smarter than that, though, right? If you're in a one-on-one with a guy, you – can only undercut if you see the ball coming I otherwise mean, there's d- no there's no support behind so you so
0: where where I where I uh disagree is if you have a quarterback like Pat Wright in tier 3 you shouldn't the the best way for the other team to score is to score quickly because it puts the ball back in his hands and I would usually trust him to put up a lot of points and go st- uh, score for score but he just didn't look good
1: Yeah, well, he made a lot of bad decisions. Uh, There were a few drops, but I don't think the problem was that. I really just think he had a bad game on this one. Bad decisions,
0: forcing the ball to to Malcolm, or not to Malcolm, to uh, Sean Fontaine. And you know on third down, it's it's where he's going to go. You know fourth down is where he's going to go. You know when it's long yardage, that's where he's going to go. The problem is, is that you know, first of all, Sean Fontaine as good as a receiver as he is. He's not more athletic than any guy on tr- on Trailer Park. Board.
1: And I think that's the thing about Trailer Park Wars that people don't, um, I guess, or, or underestimate them in that they're very physical as players. Mm-hmm. Like they'll go for any ball, and I think that's what actually what saves Antoine Beny a, l- a lot of cases because his throws are not all that accurate and they're Correct. not that great. It's just that his receivers and DBs on the other side of it fight for every single ball. Like, they challenge everything and they're big bodies. And they will, not that they'll hit you, but they'll knock you if there's a jump, right? Like, they're going for the ball. They'll
0: position their body in place. Exactly. It's clean, it's just, you know.
1: It's it's more physical than you expect from tier three, right? If you're playing like div four, this is exactly what you expect. If you're playing div one, this is like peanuts in comparison. Yeah, yeah. But like you know, it's it for a lot of teams that are coming in off the street or you know, just like it's the the Saturday night boys type of thing, right? You come in, you play football. This is a style that you're not used to seeing in the lower divisions and I think for that reason that's actually why they're two and zero. Because otherwise, I mean, I'm I'm gonna give a shit to my defense here. We did not play well, but Given that we like dropped at least two more ints that could have been easy return for well, scores. I mean, and you
0: mentioned you mentioned you had a, a chance at a pick six. I know you typically play in Flats Eagle. once and and uh, when we played them the week before, uh, I had an interception and Kevin Donna had two interceptions. And all we were doing was shooting gaps yeah. and attacking for what we thought were the first reads. And uh, that's something that. An uh, inexperienced quarterback like Antoine Meunier, he's not used to seeing shoots, so um, he. I'm, I'm gonna. We talked to about it on the show last week, and um, is that what you what you were trying? You guys were trying to exploit, and is that where, why you guys were able to get your hands on the ball? So
1: yeah, I think the um, we figured out their playbook pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other portion that we picked up on is that he's a one-read quarterback. Yes. So he doesn't read pre-snap, but he picks a receiver in his mind within like a second or two mm-hmm. and stares the route down the entire way. So it's very easy to get underneath it. What works, though, is that, th- like I mentioned, the receivers are going to challenge every single ball, and they have speed. So and he's fast, too. So if
0: he, 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 if he needs to buy time and look downfield, he will. If he, if he needs to tuck and run, he will. Um, he did run twice. Twenty yards in this game, so I mean, he he has athleticism that allows him to kind of get away with that style a little bit yeah. more in tier three.
1: But that's it. I think, I think in this game, I mean, the score was thirty nine thirteen. They scored on the last play on a ball that should have been intercepted, but again, the receiver just fought off uh, Pat Riot on a pick, um and then ended up scoring on that play. But yeah, I think we made them look better than they actually are here. I, I think if they hit a team who has a tighter defense and can actually score points, like. Again, this game was not ours. I think they're gonna get exposed. I, uh, that's my feeling. Well,
0: I mean I'm looking at it. I remember when they started, Phil Ramsey was the guy everyone to pay attention to. He was the stud and like okay, yeah, touched on this game, but you only have one catch. And you look around Hugo Jeffrey putting up numbers. You look at Alex Ammannier, obviously the connection with his brother, uh Will will uh, Rich I guess Richard. Um, you know, it, it, there's a lot a lot of guys on this team and I mean, it's not common in Tier 3 to see seven guys with, with receptions, all of them contributing to the game. Um, and on defense, you know, they, they, uh, they attacked the one and niners defense the week before with seven interceptions. Um, so, I mean, th- there's definitely something there. They're very aggressive in the flats, mm-hmm. and they're very good at taking, o- taking the deep ball away. So the hardest thing for new quarterbacks, which you'll see a lot in Tier 3, a lot of new guys, and this is what surprised me with Pat riott is they leave a lot of the intermediate area f- between the two slots and the middle of the field kind of open. Now, it's also challenged because of the fact that they're all tall. So it's not uh, a, a particularly easy throw for a lot of Tier 3 quarterbacks to make. But that said, y- that's an area you need to challenge. And I saw, I saw in parts of the game that I watched, uh, Pat Riot continually just trying to challenge on the sideline.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, what's happening is a lot of the play calls are what I'll call it the Green Bay Mike McCarthy system, which is win your one-on-ones. Isos. And frankly, yeah, it's all Isos. And frankly, our receiving core is not designed for that, and their defense is exactly designed for that. Yeah. So uh, just well, it was, just, like it was a bad physical game, but it was also a bad mental game for him. But
0: the other thing is, if they, if they could, cr- like they, from what, again, I don't watch the entire game, I had to warm up for my game. From the part I saw, I don't believe I saw them go man once. They could have absolutely manned yeah. you with the entire game, yep, absolutely and and they would not have lost a single matchup,
1: which is what do you think about it if they're playing a zone and they're still winning one on ones there's something going wrong right yeah. just straight up, so
0: well the plays the plays being called weren't plays that are zone breakers exactly. they, they were they were man breakers, you know- c- come back to the sidelines, deep ends like that th- that's fine, except that it's also not. You're not calling to against the defense. You're calling your game no matter what. You're not adapting to the defense you see, and that that in itself was surprising to me. But we'll talk we'll talk about quarterback play a little bit later in the show. We we'll get to the next segment first. We we'll talk about uh, some of the other comings and goings. Uh, do we have any action at all? Eagle on uh, Facebook Live. Uh,
1: we do have a few comments. Uh, someone asked whether you prefer tangerines or clementines.
0: Mm. I want to say I prefer clementines. I know that uh, the San Pellegrino sodas. Oh, those are good. Yeah, you mix the clementine one with uh, gin. It is delicious. Do try that. I do like it. I feel like clementine has sort of like a bit of a, a lime aftertaste, which I really like. Um, big on citrus. You're never going to catch me having scurvy. That's all.
1: That's about it for now.
0: All right. That's excellent. That's a good question. Good question. Keep them coming. Honestly, that's uh, that's about as good as it gets. Um. Some of the other teams I was I saw though was threat level midnight. On conversely, sort of like some old hens beating Los Bandidos. Now, Los Bandidos have a big loss this season. They do not have uh, Vincent Benjamin. Well,
1: there's a the season.
0: I know that I had asked Vincent Benjamin like, "Hey, do you want to play? Do you want to play this uh, this fall?" He said, "Well, I can't play Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays." <laughs> well, <laughs> said, there you go. I said, "Well, there we go." Uh, but. I knew he wouldn't be there coming in. That said, I'm impressed with Francis Tercier. I've, I didn't know how good his arm was, and I just, I think it wasn't that good. And his mechanics just got better, and his ability to throw in the run, uh, got far better. But you see, without being able to, to to dump the slants off and air it out to Vincent Benjamin, it's not the same offense. And and there's nobody lurking out there where you need to absolutely avoid that part of the field. Uh, no lo- Loic gain in this game either. There, to me, were a tandem that I thought were just a, a menace in Division 6. Uh, or Division E, rather, the the spring. And Joel Lemieux is, lo- like, so is this the thing that's going to happen where we thought Joel Lemieux was good? We moved him up, pushed him up into, Div, I believe, Div 4 at one point. Then fell down to Div 5. And now played in Div 6, was too good for Div 6. And and then we'll bounce he'll bounce up to the five and then in a year or so he'll bounce down to the six is, like is there something to do to address sort of the cusp here?
1: Uh it's it's an easier thing to solve in theory and much harder in practice because You know stats don't lie as they say but they kind of do in the sense that if you have an easier schedule or you know you're playing defenses that are weaker or their good receivers show up and they make you look good as a quarterback Mm -hmm. versus other years where maybe you get the bad matchups or your guys are on vacation or whatever it tanks your numbers so you can kind of jump up and down in that sense. Um, so I can see the explanation as to why you know you're going you know up a tier and then down a tier etc. Uh, but I think that's almost normal, right? Like I don't. If you're constantly moving up, that means you're constantly improving. But if you're fluctuating, that almost means you're correct in your rating, right? Like. Yeah. Like you know, think of a a superstar who keeps getting paid the exact same money on every single contract he takes. That means you're consistent. At least you're not yeah. great. You're but you know you're putting up the same numbers that earns you the same salary every year. So it's something in that general borderline explanation, I guess.
0: I think also having the same group of guys around for a couple of seasons. I was helping uh, the group of J D Jolie, Simon Richard, Anton Baril. Anton Baril, by the way, four sacks in this game. On on. The very elusive Francis de Rocher limited limited him to one rushing attempt for fourteen yards. That's good. That's that's pretty impressive. And aside from that, there's also the the, the yardage you don't see and that what he does to scramble in the back in the, in the backfield. Uh only two receivers taking part. Uh we see Jeremy Gauthier and Julien Gingrat uh with all the catches, all ten catches in this game and three touchdowns going to Jeremy Gauthier. I mean, the thing is like the, the the whole thing that made Los Bandidos great in the spring season was their depth, and that seems to have evaporated, um, and and I think again it's not just the loss of Vincent Benjamin, although that definitely hurts, but now not seeing Loic Lo- Lo- uh, Sabah again is not on the team either, that is not going to be helpful either.
1: For Threat Level of Midnight, um, what I'm interested to see was that last week, uh, Simon Richard was actually quarterback. I imagine Jonathan Lemure couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this week, he goes back to receiver. Eight receptions, 72 yards, and two touchdowns. So He's
0: just a phenomenal athlete. Like, yeah. That's, that's always been the case. But
1: think about it, right? This team, if they have him as QB, they're losing what you can argue is maybe the number one receiver because J.D. Jolly is definitely on that list. Mathieu Dumont on that list. Uh, but, you know, Simon Richard can't throw balls to himself.
0: True. I want to know how it is. J D. Jolly catches balls on offense when he drops every interception. It's a different. Nonsense. It's a different thing, right? Because when you are
1: running routes, you are running away from the ball, whereas you know interceptions are running towards it. So the timing is a little bit different in when you got to get your hands up or whatever. So I don't know. Maybe if you are just undercutting it, you are expecting it to come in a little bit later, and it just hits you in the chest, hits you in the arms, hits you in the head. Just yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Um, yet another matchup that caught my attention between sort of like. Um, somewhat of a, a an older, more familiar team versus somewhat of a newer team. Although, like the you know Les Augers aren't entirely new, but they completely completely wiped out the very experienced part of my swag. With Brad Evans at quarterback, happy
1: birthday, Brad Evans! By the yeah,
0: way, yeah, yeah, I spoke to him earlier today. Um, yeah, thirty to fifteen, doubling them up in a game between you know Benjamin Reed hasn't played a ton of quarterback. And there's uh, there's, you know, a decent core of new players on this team or, or just, you know, guys who haven't played a ton of seasons. So they're they're not like FPF royalties so much. Uh they came in as a lot of these guys came in as the Browns the Boucherville if you remember. Mm-hmm. Um and taking on a part of my swag. Although looking now at the at the game score I see Frankie Scalzo was a quarterback, not not uh Brad Evans. So, so would you say that
1: things. Le O G kinda had the same experience as the Browns the Boucherville the way we related them to the actual Cleveland Browns in that now they're having a resurgence?
0: Um, I mean, they're different in that one had the money to pay players and the other one went to a lower division. So it's not like the Browns went to the CFL.
1: No, but rather I think like the Browns, the Boucherville, lost like 20 games in a row or something, mm-hmm. and then Cleveland also had like two terrible seasons. And now yeah. suddenly they have some talent and they've learned how Fair. to play the game, and they're they, actually winning. They added,
0: by the way, Renaud of 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 uh, Ducks fame. And uh, he he added five catches in this game, dude is big, physical. One of my favorite players in low divisions. The guy uh, to me, there's no limit as to where he can play just because of the way he plays. Not necessarily the fastest dude, but kind of in a Don Shepherd mold of snapping, where just be big, put your hands up, and dare anyone to get it. You know.
1: He beat us on a like a deep corner, I guess, last week. I'm not gonna say he was jogging it, but he was completely by himself because he just finds the holes.
0: Yeah. Which he's a smart football player, and he's able to get there. Uh, but, you know, I know Frankie Scalzo is still, uh, you know, also, by the way, initially he was the first Ducks quarterback as well, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he finds himself playing against his ex-teammate. Uh, Frankie Scalzo only completed nine passes in this game in replacing Brad Evans. Still, though, again, y- Sean Babin, Riley Pankombe, these are, these are guys who have been around a long time in FPF. Kusum uh,
1: Jermouni, I believe, is new on this roster. Yeah,
0: so, I mean, in a sense, you see it and you're like, okay, part of my swag is a familiar name, right? But then you look at the roster, like, they only have, like, a couple of guys that are sort of part of my swag teammates for a long time. Les Augers, new team, but then you look and, like, oh, wait, actually, I know a couple of these guys. So it's it's interesting in that, like, I started evaluating because I was looking at, like, st- what's an interesting storyline for the, for the tier? And I said, you know, what is interesting is, um, hey, we have these – you know this new t- new team name against the against a familiar team name, but then that's the whole thing with FPF. You know we have to rebuild your teams to fit the cap. Uh, you know sometimes guys will miss games. as is the case with Brad this week.
1: I think what's interesting here though is that you know tier one we talk about teams having to be broken up because of the whole aggressive cap and you can't have your super teams anymore. But tier two and tier three, you've effectively registered with your core team. So you look at a team like part of my swag who has their core roster and it's not the same. That's because other players mm-hmm. can't play on weekdays or whatever. So it's an entirely different experience for that team. So you don't really know what to expect. You can't really take the legacy or the history of these teams in because if it was the full team, they likely wouldn't fit tier three. They'd have to And also, two. like,
0: I love, I love how that's a thing that they complain about, but literally every other team in every other division has to deal with this issue. Yeah. So, I mean, it happens. It, it, it's just simply how it goes. Um, so... I want to do. I want to do one more thing, before we. Before I want to discuss one more thing before we get to Alex Holloway. I want to look at uh, some of the. T- some well, of the actually,
1: since we're at it, we do have some Facebook comments. Okay, great. Uh, one of them is first off on our Flag Plus Football uh, group. So different than our page is the actual group for the players in the community. There is a poll for the game of the week. Um, so for those of you who don't know what this is, uh, Game of the Week is uh, one of our magnificent videographers, either Chris Rive. Uh I believe it's Chris Rive this week. It is Chris Rive. Otherwise, uh, we also have, I think Lance Daniel might be doing some, but I think
0: he's doing Junior. He's doing FPF Junior and uh, James, will James be. James Andrea, yeah.
1: So one of the videographers. Once, once
0: James Andrea is done with my wedding video, he's free to work on. Uh, because, again, Giant ego. It's worked well for me, though. It's worked wonders.
1: So what we do is we ask the community to vote on which game they'd like to watch, and then uh, Chris is going to go film that game. So there's currently a poll. Go ahead and vote on whichever game you want. I've been uh, told to ask you to vote for The Leprechauns by Nimrod Jankowski uh, because that's his team. But, uh,
0: yeah. I mean, now especially, I'm not going to do it.
1: And we do have another question uh, from the commissioner. Uh, asking if we s- foresee anyone who drops to the bottom half pool, so after you finish the preliminary round, um, being able to qualify for the cash bracket in their respective tiers. So effectively, not to say you nuke your first half of the season, but you end up doing poorly, mm-hmm. and then you manage to kind of sweep the second half and get yourselves into an upper, uh, I guess, a positive rating for the season.
0: Yeah, that's a week three topic. See, this, Rob, this is why you're
1: <laughs> not in production.
0: Yeah. How about coming to a meeting, Rob? Jesus. Um yeah, so no, that's that's not what we're gonna talk about. But we'll get to that next week, honestly. Uh so a little teaser for next week. We will talk about because by that point we're gonna have some pretty interesting scenarios. I think a lot of teams will be two and one, one a lot of teams will be one and two. Um we get through it. You are gonna be 0 and three. Yeah, it will be 0 and three. God <laughs> damn it. Losing a fucking safety. <laughs> Jesus. Um sorry. Sorry. Self
1: imposed. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was fun. That was fun. Um, What's a game that feels most like vomit? Yeah, when you lose on a safety on the third to last play of the game. That'll do it. Um, I want to talk about the 2-0 and 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 0-2 teams. This is like a typical MoCon topic. Mm -hmm. But it allows us to look at a wide variety of teams. Um, And I am going to sort of give you the team, uh, give you the the breakdown of the roster, and then uh, you tell me if you're surprised. That they're 2 0 or 0 2. Uh, I see, for example, Ice Up. To me, Ice Up is sort of the one of the top tiers, tier teams in the division. Uh, you know, we have guys like Max, Max Mickey Marini, uh, Jordan McInnes, uh Shaq Lattimore, and of course, uh, one of the Marini brothers throwing. Shaq is back in the league? Shaq Lattimore is back in the Did league.
1: Did he get injured at one point?
0: I don't remember. He, he just off last season. I, I don't he remember hearing a I think a he might have just taken a season off. Um, so yeah that 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 team to me, I think there's no debate there i think we there's not even a topic for us there we We know we know they're better um we see Red Raiders, the return of Mike Roy mm-hmm. and this is a familiar group when you see uh, hinsley Adams dave Daou, um Robert White coaching up the defense Sean Haney on the team uh they took on dreambreakers and, and smoked them they took on centaurs centaurs are are a tough gritty team to beat, but they beat them by a point um so, does the fact that they've had like decent competition surprise you that like Mike Roy is back? Well, he's a, he's been in he's been playing in co-ed, but does it surprise you now that he's back with a relatively new core? He's at two and all, and uh, and he's um, he's facing decent competition. Well, the storyline
1: paints itself because Ice Up and Red Raiders are going to play next week. Yeah. So that's going to be the, uh, the defining moment to see which of these teams is actually for real or not. Um, as for Mike Roy himself, no, I'm not really surprised. I mean, even in the past when he's played, I, b- adults, I, believe he I, mean played
0: I believe he played MFL with a lot of the yeah. Red Raiders guys. I might be mistaken on that. So if the guys from that team, Rob White or anybody else wants to reach out, um, let me know. Uh, a lot of what we do, unfortunately, is speculative because we don't have the resources of ESPN. Because I'm in a studio by myself, that's how little resources we have these days. Uh, but if you look at the roster
1: for uh, for Red Raiders, I mean, Sean Haney, Rob White, I think we talked about this last week, uh, Marvin Steinberg, uh, Hinsley Adams, Dave Daou, amongst other names. This is a good roster, so I, I w- don't look at this as, you know, Mike Roy can call his plays, and if they run the routes properly, the chemistry is going to build itself over time. And if he's already knows a few of them from either exactly either the, the co-ed league or playing uh, outdoors or any other leagues, I don't see why this team isn't going to do well.
0: Yeah. Team Ethnic has often had seasons where they're excellent or seasons where they're terrible. They beat Prince Le Prince de la Rive Sud, and they completely uh, dismantled Dream Breakers. I guess Dream Breakers are just uh, surprised me. I guess we're going to talk about them in a second, too, because they're one of the own two teams. Uh, team Ethnic, they are looking good. It seems to be one of those seasons where, um, uh, you know, the, they're, they're sharp. Since Benoit Lawler has taken, taken over, the offense has been uh, absolutely out of this world. But the defense has been a concern.
1: Well, you say that even for Benoit Lawler. I mean, he has 13 touchdowns, which is awesome, but four interceptions in those two games? Mm. I mean, the touchdowns are great. Like, don't get me wrong. But those INTs... But it does
0: not matter when you're playing... Like, they're playing such a high-variance game. They have so many possessions. They, go, they attack constantly. It's, it, it's changing the math. It's, it's why nobody cares Pat Mahomes had 12 interceptions last year. Yeah. Because he also threw 50 touchdowns. Because he threw for 4,000 yards. You so know what I mean? Like, it, changes, it changes the math on it. You can miss a bunch of shots, but if all the shots that are going in are three-pointers, it matters m- it matters less that you miss the open three-pointers than you miss open layups, right?
1: So next week they're going to play the Bruins who uh lost two games now. Yeah. Um,
0: we'll talk about the two Bruins in a second. Oh, uh, or do you want to do that too? You want to go uh, I guess you want to go Daklo pool and then Cluster's pool?
1: Only because Team Ethnic and Bruins are playing next week. So Fair, let's set it up. Segue.
0: Transition. Um yeah, so is we saw Zach Swern return this week. I believe he seems to have a gameplay, but I, I I didn't see him uh, on the field week one.
1: I believe he's DNP or injured or something. Okay,
0: but he he did play this past week. He uh, has a passing. Attempt. Yes, yes he does. <laughs> so, um, that said, you know, with with him in, in back in the lineup, um, Gab- White has been throwing three interceptions against Chocolate Thunder, and I know, tr- I you know, Chocolate Thunder have are the youth the same guys we're familiar you know talking about joe cano nikki papage tim horner we saw them just win a championship um we we look at bruins now is is gab Wiseman somewhat out of his depth in tier two
1: i don't think so and even you know the core he has around him, Nelson Pereira, Ryan Ariti, Zach Wern, Gabriel Poisson, these are all people who can make plays for him. So, but so that's the
0: thing is I don't think you can blame the roster. I think he needs, I think he's
1: trying to get too creative though because you know his style where you know he sees a first read and then he doesn't like it and he tries to kind of bounce to the outside, cut back in try and make a move on the rusher and basically make a big play. I just think he needs to trust his guys you know instead of trying to hesitate and, and pull the ball down when you see a receiver try, or a DB trying to shoot uh, one of his routes, mm-hmm. just just throw it. just throw it. I think you're getting into more trouble trying to buy yourself time than you are just throwing the ball.
0: Yeah, like, sometimes sort of living for another down might be might be a better a better opportunity than, than sort of running around. And like you said, like, the, the the players on the team, like, you have, you know, Ryan Reedy is a skilled player. You have uh, guys like Guy Boisson, who, again, might not be familiar to, to the Tier 1 audience watching with. Dude's excellent. Dude's a very good player. Um, you have guys like Zach Zwern who has upper division experience, up to, I think, he was playing, didn't he win a championship in Tier 2 with yeah. STL? There you go. So, I mean, yeah. Um, there's there's just a lot a lot of talent on this team so it it, it kind of I find it concerning to a degree that Gab Wiseman has yet to find success with Bruins. Uh, not yet, Eagle. We're gonna go through the teams. Oh, okay. They're two and zero oh and, oh and two. Unless you want to do you really want me to make the call now? No, cause it's around time. That's all. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, let's go another five or six minutes in the segment and then we'll we'll look at the sure. Alex Hallak. Uh, LeMaitre I think are in trouble. Did they? One register in tier two, or that's where there was space. Uh, I don't know actually. I also don't know. We should know. Um, anyone from Limit Myth- Limitic, if you're watching, uh, or ha- we'll watch later, please reach out to us. Let us know. Um, Limitic are brand new players. I think this
1: is a the team that registered late. Yeah,
0: they're twelve. They've scored twelve points. They're looking Miami Dolphin like so far. Actually, they've scored more points through two games than the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Sad <laughs> but true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's, um, it's an interesting situation to be in for them. Um, I haven't I haven't had the opportunity to quite see them play yet. Um, so I'm going to do some scouting to see what it is about them that's not quite working. Of course, if you need any help, feel free to reach out to me and Eagle, and we'd be glad to talk to you. That is the main reason that we built this topic in is because... Uh, for a new team that's struggling um if there's and and this is I believe the only new team across the fall cup i think that's, that's this new
1: that's brand 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 new, yes, yeah. I think there are teams that have added multiple new players, but this is the one that's kind of as fresh as it gets
0: that's fair that's fair i mean and, and well, that's it like th- there's not a single player on a team with f p f experience um from the picture, they appear to be athletic, so it's just a question of learning and happy the game. Yeah, and happy for now, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, that keeps up. Now, this is the one that, that I don't get. Dream Breakers, I don't want to.
1: Well, um, I mean, they also had some hard matchups, right? You had Red Raiders and Team Ethnic. You have Mangoose next week. You have but Prince of like the Week after.
0: But they're also getting smoked. Yeah. Like, that's that's the part of this that I find, I find uh, hard to, to deal with. And, you know... Like we talked about, I, I mean, we've seen also the big thing, the big story, I guess. Here is Pierre Alexandre. She's not played a single game, right? Like he's your best player. If he's not there, you're not going to win. Uh, Vincent Lacheneur has played, but uh, you know, it's it's not a one-two pu- one punch anymore at this point. Um, if you look at if you look at the team the team stats, uh, Francois Desroo looks like he's just catching a a ton of checkdowns. And Evanson L'Engineer is the only one doing some serious damage. Although, Ducero has been the red zone target for them, right? So, he's been check downs in red zones. So, but other than that, the ball just doesn't seem to be moving. And uh, but when you look I mean, at... They're
1: still putting up, okay, 20 points, 26 points. The problem is their defense. They've allowed 40 and 53, respectively, over the last two games. Like, you're not going to... Forget how many points you're scoring. You're likely not going to win games if you're allowing people to score six or more touchdowns a game.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, that, that was the team ethnic situation. That was the narrative in spring. Now it's Dream Breakers uh, with, that, with that situation. I thought, to be honest, I thought they were a favorite in the, in the tier uh, to start with. Warriors have returned, and they returned in typical Warrior fashion. They're 2-0. Oh. Um, they face tents and Hammocks and, and put up an impressive win against a team that doesn't get blown out very easily. And they Admittedly, there each. were
1: only five players.
0: Oh, that's true. That's the game they were the five five players. Yeah, that's true. And then Mean Machine, they sweep down a win. So is it, you know, they they want a tight matchup and then they beat a team that they otherwise would have lost to? Or do you think this is sort of like legit?
1: Um... Well, then again, and Hammocks is going to survive primarily on how Aylward plays mm-hmm. um, and the brotherly collection, uh, connection, let called, it, or how much uh, the rest of the receiving core is going to be needed. So Alex Joltopuff is going to carry them. But once you kind of figure that out, and I think the Warriors have played long enough to kind of understand that or hopefully have tuned in where we've kind of given all the, the cheat sheets on how to beat that system— um, you know, if you have the athletes to do it, you can easily win that matchup. So maybe it wouldn't be as lopsided. Maybe Hammocks score one or two more. Maybe Warriors score one less, but they still end up winning or so.
0: That whole family of teams, guys, stop building rosters with seven players. It's cheaper if you add an extra player, and you'll stop having games you're missing, guys. Um, the uh, thing is, the
1: Warriors are gonna go three and you know, zero because they got Supply and Command next
0: week, <laughs> and we'll talk about Supply and Command in a second, <laughs> I guess. But Michael Soleimani looks as good as he's always looked. I thought he stayed in lower divisions. It, it was nonsense that at one point he had 96 touchdowns in two seasons and was still in Division 6. Um, and in the past, it was kind of a one-trick pony for a while with Stefano Soleimani. Uh But, you know, Stefano Soleimani famously was suspended uh, from a So seeing him back, uh, maybe he's learned how to play without his brother. We see involvement by uh, Jensen Voss, who's always part of the offense, but, again, getting getting more and more involved. And and, and yeah, Milskaff's not Schaff, even a guy we've ever really heard of in FBF.
1: I think what I, I like here is that if you look at the receivers, first off, okay, so the man he technically has the most receptions, but uh Stefanidis I hope I pronounced that right, and Scaff both have seven receptions, they both have almost a hundred yards, which is equal to Solomene. Sure he has the red zone targets, but you know, the rest of the team is contributing here. So it's no longer the Solomene show. There is a supporting cast that's gonna help him yeah. out. And I think when you're gonna try and game plan against warriors, the, the strategy is gonna be much more tricky because you can't just put your best guy on Solomene and say, Okay, we're done. Which in the past that's effectively what used to happen, right? Yeah. You shut down Solomene, you win the game. Now it's going to be a very different way of trying to, you know, maybe high-low him, but have some other coverage across the board. Um, I haven't seen them play yet, but I'm sure they have, a, you know, some updates in their playbook, or at least Michael's looking at other guys, and uh, you know, it's going to be much harder to un- figure out what they're doing.
0: They're playing at the same time as me yesterday, so I didn't see uh, much of the game, but it did appear Michael Solomini was more re- more religiously going through his reads than just chucking the ball up um yeah let's get to uh, let's get to alex holowack in a second but um until he joins us um i just want to say like it's it's been impressive ecw's a team we'll touch on in a second we'll ask alex holowack if he's seen him alex joins us now on calling the audible how's it going buddy hey my man how's it going wonderful wonderful i like this new trend eagle where you have the most ridiculous picture you find of each member and use that um as the profile picture while we have them on call. I'm happy with this. Uh, we have a picture with a dog exploding out of your, checks, uh, out of your chest, Hollow.
2: Oh, I love that photo. That's in my top five, absolutely, there of all go. time. So, shades to you, uh, Eagle at Master Control. It's and I, I didn't it, say man. you either. So, Hello. how's it going, Eagle? I'm
1: doing good, doing good. We miss you, man.
2: We do.
0: We do. FPF <laughs> is mean, not the same without Alex Hollowack.
2: I appreciate that. You know, you and I were chatting about your uh, first article and I was giving you praise over how much I enjoyed it, especially the new uh, uh, theme-driven aspect to it. I thought it was super refreshing. Uh, Article writing was always on point, as always, but um, uh, we were we're, we're discussing it recently. And, you know, to be be honest, um, I always will miss FPF when I'm not part of it. But uh, at the same time, I am enjoying my season off, um, taking a little bit of space to kind of uh, rest and recuperate and all that good stuff. And uh, just enjoying the late summer into early autumn uh, transition right now. So uh, as much as I miss the game uh, at the same time, it's always good to uh, to find some perspective and uh, and take a little distance as well.
0: You've transitioned into the curriculum league, which we'll talk about it in a second. But for now, we're talking about a, a two and oh team that I think you may have some familiar, familiarity with, although they are, um, you know, a tier two team. Uh, you know, Jeremy White is a leader of EZW. Uh, Jeremy White, of course, you know, uh, being a, a, an employee of FPF, and also his style is pretty pretty unique. Have you had a chance to ever see him play quarterback?
2: uh i have uh, on several occasions actually that's uh uh kudos to my time at uh, as a scorekeeper for fpf i've seen some quite a quite a range of fpf action and i've had the opportunity to catch jeremy play on a few instances uh, was always impressed by him. Every time I saw him play, he did very well, uh, has great rapport with his, uh, with his receiving uh, cast. I think they, they probably have a few years together by the way it seems uh, the, how they play. Jeremy is super poised, especially given his uh, you know his age overall and his experience in the league, which is deceivingly more than, than it comes off as. but at the same time, uh, you'd expect him to be a little more raw and he's just a very polished quarterback, uh, plays very smart. It uh, takes a lot of uh, the short stuff, which QBs in the lower divisions always have trouble with. They always get itchy trigger finger and, and try to pop the deep balls and maybe throw into coverage. Uh, Jeremy is super disciplined. And uh, I think those are all trademarks of, um, of really intelligent and, uh, and uh, QBs who are going to
0: prosper in the future.
1: He's gonna have to teach something to uh Olivier Laving because he's also with them on all hooks and they're O and two in tier one. So
0: But that's a that's a big jump for for uh Silvine and Co- and Cole. Oh, yeah. Um and uh,
1: that being said, they only lost to S T L forty to thirty nine this week and last week they lost thirty four to thirty three to Junkyard Dogs. So they're in these in those games. It's just bad luck
2: and junkyard dogs guys first off yeah you're absolutely right all hooks uh impressive what they've done so far showing the spirit of uh, the fall cup really which is lower teams moving up to higher levels and competing with teams that they otherwise wouldn't have thought they would share the field with uh, normally so just to prove that the uh, disparity the perceived disparity in talent is um is is much narrower in uh, reality than it is uh, that we make it up to seem in our own minds but um Guys, junkyard dogs, 2-0. Oh. Who would have thought after after two weeks, uh, um, Jason Rossi, I wanted to make sure I got that right. Jason Rossi, uh, 10 touchdowns to zero interceptions, very polished uh, football quarterbacking right now. And uh, they're impressive. They definitely impressed me the most after two weeks.
0: Well, there's a couple of things here. One is I remember Jason Rossi in his first ever FPF game. They were, uh, like most teams when they started FPF, god-awful. So it's impressive to see them do well in, in, in Tier 1. And uh, I don't know if you, if you saw my script or not, but literally the next question I had for you was the more surprising start, Junkyard Dogs 2-0 or uh, Rockets with uh, Rob Mashtub at 0-2. Now... I, I was looking over
2: the Rockets and yes, it is. You see, Rob to one of the premier uh, top five quarterbacks in the league overall, is 0 and 2 in uh, in uh, Fall Cup Tier One, which is you know I don't know. It, it's kind of a weird a way to equi- like to uh, equate that to either Division One or Division A in the in the summer or winter. It's, it's um, like a weird
0: combination of Division One to three. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, like, it's not balanced at all.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a, a homebrew brew uh, with uh, lots of different mixes going on. Um, but uh, if you take a closer look at that lineup, you know it, it starts to to be a little bit more reasonable to see them having lost the first two games, um, especially when you consider that they they lost the first game versus uh, BYOB with uh, Matt Renee and uh, his uh, you know semi-normal crew, a very a very kind of uh, experienced quarterback in FPF, and uh, and, and the team they got that
0: finally fits his skill set more than he's had in the past.
2: That's correct. That's correct. I think they, they, um, they have, it looks like the players they have, have a very kind of, uh, they finally maybe found a more even keel balance to the game. Emotionally, they, they've they always had a hot headed type of roster. And, and as soon as things have started to go wrong, they you can tell they were visibly shook in the past and that kind of derailed their game plan at times. But uh, I think now they have, Maybe they finally found that a uh, little bit more zen and that might uh, pay off for them um, throughout the course of the first four games, at least. But uh, back to the Rockets, I, I think you can see there's a, a little bit of um, like the roster's a little bit light. Uh, it's featuring, obviously, the uh, Reedy brothers. Uh, Ryan's on that team, right?
1: Uh, it, uh, no, no, just Chad.
2: Oh, just Jad. It's featuring Jad and the Bekeles brothers, especially Theo Bekeles being the uh, highlight on that on that roster. Um, but after that, you know, you're lacking kind of that uh, top-edge uh, receiver, which they're known to have. Um, uh, uh, usually they have one or two pieces at wide who can uh, really open up the field. So this is really more of a makeshift roster in my mind. So it, it starts to be a little bit more reasonable that they struggle a little bit out of the gate. Uh, Rob's not polished yet. He did not play in the spring. Um, it's taken them a little bit, uh, a few weeks to get going, but uh, I think this is probably one of those teams you, you're gonna, you're not gonna want to face in uh, in the second round, especially if they drop to the uh, lower tier.
1: Also, I mean, if you look at the games played, there's 13 uh, total games over, or total games played for the roster over two weeks, which means one game was seven players, one game was six, so you have no subs or one sub, and exactly what you said, right? There's no other than uh, Theo Bikelis who only played one game so far. That's that's tough to go out on the field and in tier one and compete.
0: Well, and, and and like there's a couple of guys on the team. Like we just we talked about Gap Poisson. Mm-hmm. Raul Baruti is another guy. Boris Belur is up and coming. Uh, but they're all guys who also haven't played high division FPF. And so you look at them and they take on BYOB. BYOB is essentially ostensibly a division two team, and Junkyard Dogs are a very good division three team. So uh, while Rod Mash's level is is so much higher, let's say than. Than you know a lot of other guys. The rest of the team seems to be on par with the division, if not lower. And next week isn't much I
1: mean, easier with Vinny's Huffman. And then lastly, all hooks to close out the the preliminary round, which is probably the fairest game.
0: They might go on fourth. Yeah. And you're, you're taking
2: you're you're, take, you're taking guys who are who are predominantly uh, found success in a. Uh, a kind of support role in the past. And now you're thrusting them into the premier role on this team. And uh, obviously it's going to take some transition. Uh, will it, will it ever click? Who knows? It might be one of those experiments that just never finds the, uh, the right side of, uh, of, of the day, but um, you know, give them a little bit of time, let them stretch their legs a bit, see if, uh, see if they can get it together. Um, but definitely a little bit surprising. 0-1-2.
1: And if there's a year to try and do it, well, this is a season. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. A lot of parity. a lot of parity in division one.
0: Um so we've talked about it a little bit but as a division 1 player uh hollow do you, what do you think about the hard cap in the highest levels of FPF
2: Well to not to I I appreciate the love as always uh my man but uh, I've never played division 1 before oh, so i
0: sorry my mistake
2: I, I I've yet to to uh, to, to test myself in, do, uh, in right? level but um uh what I think so what do get back to it, what I think of the hard cap in division and tier 1 um, I, 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 was like a strong proponent for this in the spring and, uh, I will remain a strong proponent for it because, uh, I believe that, um, just as, as is, uh, is is the kind of statement now, that just commonly heard from uh, FPF support staff that we need to definitely encourage teams to test their uh, boundaries and move up and compete against the, uh, the upper echelon in, in quotes and uh, kind of realize for themselves that, um, that they can stand uh, their ground against these teams and they can, uh, and they can play them tough and they can even win sometimes. Uh, so I think once we get that kind of sense of confidence spread out further across the divisions, it's finally going to – that's the only way we're going to be able to salvage our higher divisions because we have a problem. And uh, when you're looking at the spring and there's only four teams and in the winter you're hoping for eight teams, I mean, this has been something that we've been working on now for a few years. And uh, I think the situation is getting a little bit critical. So it's it's time to – uh,
0: uh, Hello? We may have lost Alex. Hello? Hello? Hey, there you are. Hello? Hello? I don't know.
2: Hello? Hey,
0: we lost Hello? You for a second.
2: Sorry guys, sorry I All lost you right. there. My uh, my bluetooth uh, battery died. So, uh, uh I'm back I online.
0: I see. Um but yeah, no, I, I think I think it's very important. I, I think uh, that that's the only way we're going to see more teams in division and that's ultimately what everyone wants. I remember uh, when I first started working for the media uh, Marco Masciotra told me, "Hey, try and get you know, try and like push teams to move up because like, I'm tired of facing the same guys every week. You know what I mean? So um I think this is an an unorthodox way to get people up there, but I feel it's the only way guys will feel confident enough with their, their, their team. And on top of that, it's the only thing that'll push established FPF veterans to go down and, and look for talent in the lower divisions.
2: That's, that's also fundamental. And because we have a, a a dearth of established division one players and everybody wants to draw from that same pool uh constantly but the thing is like how many teams are gonna are gonna get uh, justin mclean you know and like how many teams are gonna get um george gary p like he can only play on one team in division one and one team in division two so we, we have to start looking outside of those regular household names in order to build these rosters and you see smart teams are doing that. They're implementing these younger guys, but it's not being done nowhere near uh, enough, you know, to, uh, to, 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 really start this revolution. So I, I, agree. I agree. I we always agree. Let's disagree about you know, something. It's, it's, Let's I, I,
0: wanna, I, I, um, I hope you don't take this uh, the wrong way, but I remember uh, I felt the worst ever pairing on the podcast was one season was me and you uh hollow. I don't know if it's for a whole season or not, but I remember saying like, I feel like we're just always saying the same thing. <laughs> it was—it was just an awkward season of the podcast. Um, and, uh, it was—it was, like, was. Yeah, I think it was.
2: I think it was one episode. But uh, okay. this, 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 thankfully, thankfully for the viewers, it was only yeah, one episode. Was, was. But...
0: <laughs> oh, then that's why I paired myself uh, later on with the uh, far less intelligent Simon Dagenet.
2: Oh, far less intelligent Simon Dagenet, yeah, huh? Um, the far yeah, I less thought you were going to
1: two zero, female Dajne.
0: Well, so that's—that's that's, that's right. And I have a question. So you you mentioned my article. For those of you who haven't seen it yet, of course, it's on com. It's one of those pieces that's uh, not temporal. It's related to sort of the season in general. While it does reference week one, it's something that I believe to be true for uh, sort of season-long information. So I, I was curious what you thought of sort of my list of guys that uh, now that they're here we, you know guys we can pay attention to in a season where we don't have Alex Hallwag, Dan Lazara, uh, Kevin Wyatt, Marco Masiotra and so on.
2: I I I love that you asked me that because uh uh you know going over the list uh you know some guys that I agree with you with obviously Maher is is the top pivot in uh, well, in I, this I category. We don't include
0: Maher because we already know, right? Like that's
2: yeah, that's we know. I, I the, want guy, to the guy gets through, a bit. the through the he gets rid of the ball in under two seconds every single time. I mean, he's a machine, but Mm -hmm. uh, if we're looking outside of that, uh, I do agree that, uh, that Joey is, is well positioned to uh, be very successful this season. He has a strong team in two and a half dance, practically the same team that he went to the finals with in division B, if not even better in in some sense. Um, And, uh, and then I'm looking at, but one thing I, vehemently disagree with mm-hmm. is your assessment with uh, Dylan Taylor uh, especially challenging him as being worthy of uh, being in the top category let's say of uh, okay. the top tier of pivots in this division I think that when you're when you're after 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 uh, maher uh, I think Dylan is uh, uh, obviously, the, the next the next guy in this division, and I think with the way that STL's roster is built, uh, I think he is the hands-on favorite to to be the top pivot at the end of the uh, of the season, whatever that means for for fall. But uh, I think he's going to cruise through the competition. And uh, he's extremely talented. I think he's, he doesn't get enough credit uh, because we remember the, the losses, right? That's human nature. We always remember. We yeah. always remember the blowups, but we tend to forget that uh, he's put up big numbers, right? And, uh, and he's, he's and, a championship.
0: And, he's a championship quarterback. But, like he, he mm-hmm. he's won a championship. Um, though, you know, I, I, what I meant is, I, it's, it's just I felt as though even as I wrote it, I felt like my, my point is not particularly going to come across. I think he's exceptionally talented. You're right. After Joe Mahu in terms of just raw talent, the next best guy out there is Dylan Taylor. Uh, it just, there are times where we've seen more of uh, sort of the fair weather Dylan, Dylan Taylor that when things are going well, it's awesome. We've also seen games where it completely falls apart. Um, and I guess that's true of everyone on the list, but for some reason uh, it does always stick more to, to Dylan Taylor. Wh- wh- why do you think that is?
2: Well, I think there's just there's just um, look I, I'm 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 going to be critical, but at the same time I'm going to include myself in this. There's just some guys who uh, who develop a reputation of um, of losing in the ultimate game, right? And, and there's some guys who are just perennial champions in the ultimate game. You're looking at winners. You're looking at Maher. You're looking at uh, Kevin Wyeth. You're looking at uh, probably uh, A&P, uh after, uh, if like Mosack and I repeat this year, you know, like I think he's broken that uh, threshold. Looking at guys like uh, you know, Dylan and, and myself included and, uh, and even throw uh, Dan Lozara in there and uh, maybe even uh, Marco at times, Maceoche. Guys who have incredible seasons and somehow just uh, uh, collapse in the uh, finals or have an off game in the finals, if, if not a total collapse. So just enough that uh, to not have their their best stuff at the time of the management so there's there's a lot of pressure in uh, FPF's higher divisions. It's it's uh, it's no joke, you know. Like uh, as as recreational and as fun as it is to play, uh, in, in the especially in the lower divisions. When you get to the upper divisions, you have guys who want to compete, and you want to win. And you, no matter what anybody says, you're always going to feel that pressure. So I think there's some guys who can kind of weather that extremely well, and those are. Those are the champions, right? Those are guys. Even if you look at a guy like Maher, who, who doesn't take quarterback of the year awards, he's always in the finals and he's always winning the big game and he's always having his his best moment in that game. You know, yeah. so that's that's ultimately want to be what you want to be. But not everyone has that constitution. Not everyone's built that way. Some guys struggle with it a little bit. Some yeah. guys find it takes them a little bit longer to to figure out how to be confident in that environment. And I think that you know probably Dylan is in that. I think he's finding his way every year. We see him get more and more comfortable in these big games, less and less emotional. Uh, and uh, you can you can never deny the raw talent that this that this man has. I mean he's uh, he's a gunslinger, two and three. So uh,
0: I mean I, I, I enjoy watching him play. Um, I've often told you that you're my, you're my favorite quarterback to watch play in FPF just because I love the, the the style that you have. That you're always. Always have your foot on the gas pedal. Uh, watching you like watching a Fast and Furious movie, which coming from me is a compliment. might not be a compliment from everyone, but from me, that's a compliment. Um, and uh, Dylan Taylor reminds me of that to a degree as well. Um, and like I said, I mean, it, it's not the talent that I question, and it's not, it's not the competitiveness at all. It just, uh, like I said, at times, it, it has gotten the better of him. But you know what? Hey, it led to a disagreement between Hollow and I, so... There we go. Can you give me,
2: give me give me give me a quick uh, your 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 power rankings. Let's say top uh, oh, I top 3 this. teams. I know, but I, I just I... want to hear your perspective. After 2 weeks, who is the top 3 teams in the division? You can just list it off uh first thing tier? Comes... So tier 1 top 3, no, tier oh,
1: 2 sorry, top 3,
2: top, just tier 1? Just tier 1, yeah.
0: Just tier 1? Okay, let's take a look. Um...
2: If, you, if it helps you, I'll start with mine, just just uh, yes, a a glance. Please. So after copy you.
0: I won't. No. Will it never come. on purpose <laughs>
2: he's is a man of integrity he always yeah, has yeah. been so That's he's right, definitely gonna right. have to <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have at, at the top I'm gonna put STL after uh, after two weeks I think this is a complete team and uh, led by a great uh, quarterback and they have some top-tier talent second I'm gonna I'm gonna put uh, two and a half dance I think that what they showed this week against urgence medic was just a complete utter destruction just came out and, and just picked them apart methodically. Um, and then, uh, for the third team, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little bit biased. I'm going to throw in my boys, Vinny's Huffman into the, into that, uh, into that spot because I think I, I like Vinny at quarterback. I, I thought that like, uh, I thought that we were going to have him play for us last fall. And then at the end we had, uh, a switch just because I want to see, I want to see Vinny's redemption story, uh, in FPF. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think this is his moment now. And, um, He's gonna, he's he's gonna, he's gonna find his groove. So I'll put Vinny Huffman up there at number three.
0: Um. So what's annoying is essentially as I started like looking it up while talking to you, that's pretty much the three I got. Honestly, I I like I like Vinny Galan a lot. Called it. I uh, but no, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in another team just to disagree. Uh, but as like my criticisms uh. Of, again, it, it's not even a criticism. My comments regarding Dylan's past history in FPF does not have anything to do with his future performance. Uh, in FPF, more than any other league, past history is not uh, a predictor of future performance because guys get older, guys get more experience, guys get get more talent around them. Uh, it's a dyna- it's a very dynamic league in that way. Um, so I think this may be the season for him because also the, the roster is absolutely uh, stacked. Um, I think Vinny's Huffman uh with vinnie Galano, uh i don't think it's a huge drop off from you in a sense uh, hollow like while while i think you're you're absolutely like a stud qb like vinnie is nothing to scoff at we just sort of forgot how good Vinny was i think uh which is something i alluded to in the article and um you know when you look at two and a half dance i do think this is the best you know the best if not uh you know second over the either the best or tied with the best roster that you know uh, Joey Taylor's ever had um I understand that for part of the game Ironson and Zick were only five but even when they were six uh they look just they look better with Joey Taylor than with Dan Lazara I'm not before I get an angry text from Dan Lazara at three in the morning I'm not saying Joey Taylor's more talented than Dan Lazara I'm saying this team is perfectly built for Joey Taylor um but Man, it's just so hard to to discount Braves, Braves U. Um, so I don't know how I ranked them, 1, 2, 3, 3A three or 1, 2, 3, 4. I, I told you I suck at doing top whatever lists. Uh, but, man, the, the top end talent of Georges Garipe, uh, J.D. Chevalier, uh, John Maheux, Mike Persin is nonsense. Tamville, that's there. And, like, you know, people are like, oh, but, you know, they got, they got a couple of girls on the team. Yo, those girls are insane. They're incredibly mm-hmm. competitive they're incredibly quick they are they're, they're valuable contributors on the team in constance Miller and Lauriane beauchamp uh, these are they're they're women with f p f championship pedigree in the coed co-ed division as well
2: i love i love what they did of course too i think the girls in f p f or the women in f p f have uh, have been the most impressive besides well along with the juniors the last few years i think if you take mm-hmm. a look across the divisions the two categories that have shown like just Mind blowing amounts of talent have been the juniors and the uh in the co ed division, and uh, you know, in the co ed division, as well as everyone does, that all that matters is how good your girls are in, in coed. ed. Like, uh, you can have the top guys in the FPF, mm-hmm. but the, the team that's going to win is going to be the team with the best girls, so or the best women, and um, and I, so I, I'm just super impressed with the caliber of uh of the females in in, in our league. Um, I just I, um, I like this Braves use team for sure. I mean, the top, what what can you say? Just champions through and through. I do want to see what they, what they, what they have in store for the next two games on the roster, because this week they, they beat the team that whose name I have the hardest time liking, uh, Dead Mm press, um, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for Jeff Rosenblatt. He looks like a groovy dude, but uh, you know, you pick like I don't know. I'm just assuming it was him who chose the name. It's like the choice for somebody who's like 21 years old and just started getting into hip hop beyond Eminem or Drake or something. You know, like that's what Dead Prez represents to me. So um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I, I want, I don't want to read too much into this uh, victory from this past week uh, because I don't think Dead Prez is is, is there yet as uh, as one of the.
0: Uh, I do. Yeah. agree.
1: Paulo, before we let you go, I have a question for you. Um, I think October 16th is the date. We're going to be going through our rules committee. Uh, And so for the purposes of this exercise, I am giving you carte blanche. You can change anything you want in FPF. What would you do if you were commissioner for a day?
2: Oh, my gosh. This is going to get me in Um, trouble.
1: The easy thing is just borrow what you like from KTFL, right?
2: Uh, You know what? I'm going to, this is going to get me in trouble because, uh, I have, I have a lot of respect for the officiating uh, crew in FPF. Um, I think she they do a wonderful, Got it. Got and it's, 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 I just think that come playoffs is particularly finals that they just ref entirely different than they do the rest of the year. Uh, it's, it's like put away the whistles and we're just going to turn a blind eye to all kind of physical contact, uh, in the finals, uh, from my experience the last few years. So I would, if there's one thing, I know it's, it's, it's kind of nuanced, but I I would, um, I would reinforce the issue that this is a non-contact league and that not only in the finals but all throughout the season that we really step up... Uh penalties on anybody who tries to uh, initiate contact either on purpose or even by accident I think we just have to kind of take that element out of the game because at the end of the day everyone wants to go into work and on Monday and go back to their home uh, go home to their families that evening and not have to go to a hospital room so uh, we want to compete we want to play hard but at the same time we want to play safe and we want to and we want to leave in one piece so uh, I would I would I would address that issue I think if, if there's one grand thing that I could do
0: I mean, it's. In, I think it's. It's fair. I don't think any of the, especially like the longtime refs of FPF. I don't think any of them would disagree. Uh, in the end, I've been on rules committee, and I could say that the, the, the priority is always the safety of players. And I will say, uh-huh. as a guy who's calmed down through the years, because I used to be known to be a little bit louder and in, in people's faces. Uh, the one thing that still gets me angry is when I get hit. I can't stand it. We all work on Monday. Uh, you know, uh, guys who specifically try to hurt other people in the recreational league are the lowest level of douchebag in the world. So uh, there couldn't be harsh enough penalties for them. And uh, to a degree, you know, like I I don't I can't speak to the fact of uh, it being called differently. I don't have data to support or deny whether or not they coach differently in, in the in the playoffs, although I do think you, you, may, you may be right about that. I will say that it's, you know, definitely contact is something we're always aware of and it's definitely something we have to look at. Uh, although I do feel the league's gotten less reckless and there's been more um, calls on sort of reckless and unsafe contact, which I'm, I'm happy with. Um, but we'll, you know, that definitely, definitely take a look at that and see, because there's also there's the referees committee and there's also sort of the applications mm-hmm. uh, committee. So they're two different things. Uh, but... oh wait
2: wait! i got, got i got another thing for ego I, I i uh sorry to, to cut you off uh i know you guys are working on the time of games so you brought it down from 11 till 10 30 but um you know the earlier games are always uh, more appreciated from the players like nobody wants to finish at midnight and drive home and get, get in bed by 1 32 in the morning with uh with the adrenaline pumping after a game so uh less 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 night games and, and more uh
0: Unfortunately, that's, that, that's more uh, our, what availabilities we can get at the fields. But uh, as FPF grows, of course, we have more and more pull because uh, we, we are a bigger and bigger league each year. Uh, one thing I want to see gone is this bullshit rule from KTFL where the ball can't be advanced after a tip. That one, I can assure you, I can almost guarantee you will be changed based on the two, the two voters in this room that are going to vote against it. so I, it, it, I hate it, that I rule. play defense,
1: and I hate it. <laughs> just imagine.
2: Uh, that, one, that one's That one got to go, right? They put the two rules in place at the same time. That was one of them. The other the one being 20. that uh, if, if, if you punt from inside your 10, you go back to your one. I think that one has proven to be pretty successful so far, well, uh, just my opinion. But, well, just, um,
0: I think that if you punt yeah. from inside your own 10, and it goes to half field, doesn't help. Eliminate collisions from lower divisions because what happens is it doesn't give an incentive for teams to punt. And there are more teams in the lower divisions, and uh, that's where we're more likely to see sort of reckless collisions. Uh, So that's the the part of that rule that bothers me. There's never a reason to punt in FPF anymore. I also think we're at a point where if we're going to do that, then let's just remove fourth
1: and 20 from your two yard line. But what do you gain on the field? Well, now you don't gain anything. That's what I'm saying. You don't (laughs) gain a
0: single thing to punt. So there's no incentive to punt the ball ever. There's no, there's no longer a circumstance where it makes sense to punt an FPF.
2: That's that's right. And, and I maybe that was the that was the goal. I don't know to to get maybe lower division teams closer to the end zone, uh, giving them a, a greater chance to score and uh, and develop that way. Uh, I. Mean, I, I have I, to do some, There's different ways to look into it, but
0: we're have to do some I generally. Yeah. I, I think I think this yeah. is all it's done is is lead to more blowouts, in my opinion, because the stronger teams will just. Further dominate a game with less field to cover. Uh, Hollow, thank you for joining us. We're gonna close out the show on the other side of this, and hopefully, we'll have you on more this season.
2: Anytime, guys. It's always fun. Uh, have a good evening, and uh, thanks for having me. And uh, keep it up, guys. Keep up the good work.
0: We'll have you. We'll have you in uh, in studio soon, and uh, we'll get into some whiskey.
2: Ooh, can't wait for that. I'm right. waiting for the invite. All thanks, right, guys. Bye.
0: That's Alex Hollowack joining us. I want to touch on something really quick, and then we're going to go to Games of the Week. Yep. And then we'll call it a show. Yep. Um, One quick thing I want to talk about. I want to talk about a new team. As I mentioned, there was one brand, brand new team in Tier 2. There's a new team in Tier 3 called the Untouchables. Mm -hmm. Um, I got a chance to play against them this week. Um, Overall, nice dudes. They have uh, Olivier uh, Dolaris, who's on the team. So he's sort of like the one familiar face. As soon as I saw him, I was like, guys, we – we all need to pay attention to that dude, you know? And so uh, they won a game um, after giving up the lead. They won a game by acquiring a safety on the last play of the game. But what was most interesting about that is their team, that they, they do a lot of things that a lot of new teams in FPF do. They, they, run, with a, they run plays with a halfback. They, they take too many deep shots. But I do like their athleticism. There's some some they got they all got pretty good hands they all got a lot of speed, um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they develop. For the meantime, I do think as well if you guys ha- oh, they also don't send a rusher sometimes in the red zone Oh like god, that's a yeah, so that's a do not do not only never reason, rush. The only reason one of ers were in that game was because on converts they didn't rush and that was the difference until uh <laughs> until uh we got we got a safety in the last play game that cost us the game so uh that said if you if you want help if you if you want to learn a little bit about FEF similar to the offer we made uh to the other new team please feel free to reach out to us we'd be happy to help uh but definitely if you guys are around and you see a team wearing polos on the field that's the untouchables it looks weird but man they're they're a fun watch for a new team they're a fun watch uh, it's pretty interesting Uh, Eagle, what time is it? It's time for Games of the Week! Thanks, Eagle. Because you're not doing predictions in your article anymore, are you? I'm not, because our articles are no longer divisional. They are thematic.
1: Um, Do you want to do, let's say, like two games from each uh, tier here? Yes. All right. Um, So let's talk about uh, the Junkyard Dogs STL game.
0: That's a great game. I think... I think STL just, to, to all, everything we've said, STL just has a better team. I don't think Junkyard Dogs has the dogs to run with STL in this game. And let's talk. I, I, and, and I think on the surface it's a good game. It's a good storyline. I'd be surprised if uh, Ross can compete within two scores. Uh,
1: Braves, you, Urgence Medic. What about your pick?
0: I'm alone. you got to make a pick. Oh no. my God, i got
1: to make a pick. Um, I'm going with STL. <laughs> okay. Uh, Braves, you, Urgence Medic.
0: So. Uh, Braves U lost their first game to Simon, which is the most, the second most exba- uh, uh, embarrassing experience in FPF. The most embarrassing experience is, of course, losing to P's. Um, but they then take on Urjan Smidzik, who aren't playing well so far. I just think that unless Urjan Smidzik can sort out the roster issue and, and unless they get everyone there, uh, I don't think they can compete with Braves U. But it'll still be a close score because Urjan Smidzik does not get blown up. Uh, Except for last week, because five guys.
1: Does Lightweight go 3-0 and 0 against 2HD? I'm going uh, Also, I'm taking uh, I'm so taking so Braves U.
0: I want to say that the record against 2.5 dance is awful. So I'm going to say it, even though it may or may not be true, because I knew you were going to ask me this, and I forgot to research it. So 2.5 dance because history, even though I said in the last segment, history is not a pr- good predictor of the future in FPF. So, inconsistency and hypocrisy. Uh, two and a half dance. Tier two, uh,
1: Outlaws versus EZW.
0: This is actually a legit good game. This will be fun. This is a team that uh, goes full speed all the time against, um, would it be fair to say Outlaws um, Outlaws play offense the way your grandmother would drive?
1: Yes. <laughs> That's so true. Is your
0: grandmother living? No. Hmm. So maybe slightly faster. Yeah. Next. Oh, wait, what's your pick?
1: Uh, I'm going to take Easy W. I also haven't
0: made a pick in this game. I actually think that the the slow pace of Outlaws will annoy the hell out of Jeremy White, and it's going to get in his head. He's going to make mistakes. Outlaws will win. Uh,
1: we talked about this a little bit earlier, but let's actually make a pick. Red Raiders, Ice Up.
0: Ice Up's too good, man. Uh, Red Raiders are a good team. What they're doing impressive. Ice Up, you can make an argument. Ice Up doesn't belong in this, in this tier.
1: Uh, I'm actually going to go Red Raiders. I trust Mike Roy. I think by this week, he's going to really understand his team, and I think they're going to take this one. Uh, And then uh, last game, uh, Diablo's Mean Machine.
0: I am never going to pick François Martin, um, but I have to because they're a much better team. God damn it. Um, Adding uh, Matt LaPage makes them absolutely formidable, um, and it allows the room for error that... um, François Martin will inevitably make.
1: Uh, I'm going to agree with you. And let's go Tier 3.
0: We will go through Tier 3.
1: What's um, a good one here. Uh, Leprechauns threat level midnight. That might actually be game of the week, depending on how people vote.
0: Um, I had a chance to watch Leprechauns. I was kind of impressed, actually. Um, I was kind of impressed with what I saw. Um, they're in for a challenge with the methodical offense of Joel Lemieux, but... I didn't think Threat Level Midnight was going to be undefeated by this point in the season, so give me Leprechauns to... I Can we stay upset or just beat them?
1: Uh, beat. Yeah. Beat. I'm going to go Threat Level Midnight, though. I think uh Julien Muir and uh, Simone Richard are going to carry this game. Okay. Uh, we're going to take Replacements versus
0: Lionhearts. Uh, teams that are near and dear to our hearts. Mm-hmm. I like the athletes added by Lionhearts. I got a chance to watch uh, replacements last night. The, the offense, it's, so, it's different. The problems are different than they were in the past. In the past, it was a completely remedial offense that they couldn't move the ball. Yesterday, I saw a Frank Tilly, Calicholo, just taking too many chances, just airing out too many balls to, to receivers. Uh, guys are open, and uh, he's just always looking for the big play. I mean, I, I'm, if anything, I'm a guy who can absolutely sympathize with that. Uh, but, let me be the, the uh, proof that that's not a successful way to play in FBF. Uh,
1: I'm going to go Lionhearts. Mm-hmm. I think replacements make too many mistakes, and I think Lionhearts can actually capitalize on it.
0: And, and Lionhearts have added a lot of athletes, so yep. it's going to be a challenging game for replacements, I think.
1: And last game, Chocolate Barracudas, who are 2-0, and who have beaten both Lionhearts and replacements in the first two weeks, uh, <coughs> versus Los Bandidos, uh, mm-hmm. struggling. Um, what do you think for this is going to happen in this game?
0: I have to think at some point the best quarterback will win and no offense to Sonny Elias. I always say that before I say something offensive. Um, fine. Offense to Sonny Elias. Francis DeRoschi is a better quarterback. Uh, at some point, cream rises to the top. Give me Los Bandidos for the win.
1: I think it's going to depend on uh, what the roster looks like for Los Bandidos. I think we know what to expect from uh, the Barracudas, but this season, uh, like we talked about earlier, Bandidos, it really depends on who shows up. Um I'm going to go chocolate barracudas hesitantly here because I think if, uh, like we mentioned, Vaisan isn't there, if Luwak isn't there, I think their defense is very different too. So I can see barracudas squeezing uh, this one out.
0: Great. Thank you, Eagle, for uh, all the work you've done today. Thanks uh, to, was it Nim who wrote to us? Who, who asked the question about tangerines and clementines? those think wrote a that question about tangerines. <laughs> Thanks, Duke. That was a good question. It really <laughs> made me think. Um, Thank you all for watching. Thank you to my chauffeur for actually arriving on time. And thank you all for letting me be myself.
1: There's a story you're going to like. No, or not I won't like.
0: like it. I promise you won't like it. I think I'm sleeping here.